a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So here we have the the promise of the virgin birth already. And and now it says that he, this promised seed, shall bruise you, the serpent on the head. So this, and you will bruise him on the heel. So uh, this is talking about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. So this is the first gospel. What in the world? The Lord's Supper is to help rediscover your innate goodness? Holy smokes. That's like saying that glasses are to make sure you can't see. It's like saying your shoes are there to make sure you can't walk. It's like saying it's like saying a boat is there so that you sink to the bottom of the ocean. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. Councilman Darren Lathan. Thank you, Mayor. On balance, I think as far as whether we do it on the 6th or the 12th, it matters about as much as my collection of Table Talk Radio points. Hey, welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. You are in store for a <laughs> mediocre show today. I wonder how. I wonder how many. Yeah, uh, I think that's about right. I wonder how many points Darren Lathan is, is storing up down there in Texas. He's giving them all away to the, to the council city. Councilman Darren Lathan. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I can just tell already this is going to be Agape. a, a, a terrible that, show. By the way, uh, I, I think by, I think whenever time we use the word love, we ought to say which Greek word we mean by that. Why? So I agape that quote. Either it's <laughs> either agape or phileo. I don't think it's the other option. Anyhow, <laughs> I concur that today's going to be a hundred percent mediocre. Jane, yeah. keep running. You know how we Americans? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hello. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like every show. Just on time. <laughs> every show. All right, it's unplugged now. Okay. Like you want me to. That's great. <laughs> every Do I know how Americans what? Oh, you know how we're always so concerned about uh, fairness? I think it's completely unfair that our listeners can tune out at any time and I can't. I think that is n- not fair at all. <laughs> You can't choose your crosses sometimes. <laughs> okay, well then tell us the Table Talk Radio lineup today. Okay, let's see. We've got to do some buzzwords. we got apparently a nice phone call to listen to. We're going to check in with Lumpy, who's researching how many Calvinist creeds there are. Oh. Right, he's just going to give us an update. Then uh, then we're going to play uh, something, and then after that we're going to play Name That Theologian. What am I looking Oh, we're going to play uh, Facebook Status Theology, aren't we? Bumper Sticker uh, Theology. Church Sign Theology, church sign theology Bumper theology. Sticker Theology. Facebook status. We're gonna play. We're gonna play uh, really short sentences to look at theology. We should think of a better <laughs> name for that. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll work on that. We'll stick Lumpy on that too. That's hey, the hey, plan. Lumpy. Is that right? Lumpy, Lumpy, why don't you start yep. thinking of a new name for this? All right, All right. I'm on it. Was that Lumpy right there? <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm back now. I have a terrible time distinguishing your voice from Lumpy. I don't know why. I mean, terrible I, is the right adjective. I know. <laughs> I know the difference because uh, Lumpy is a completely delightful guy, uh, and so I, I know there's a difference. But but he smells. I, you don't know this, but he smells. <laughs> He's always smoking that pipe of his. Um, all right. Uh, what's your uh, theological buzzword for me? My buzzword for you. My buzzword for you is sorry for. Busting your eardrums there. I keep hitting the microphone. Yeah, quit headbutting uh, the microphone. Imminence. 
Imminence is, is what it is. Now, uh, I, want, I, I don't know why I've been thinking about imminence a little bit. This is one of the attributes of God, but it's different than omnipresence. Omnipresence means in every place, but imminence means, the, the difference is, imminence means kind of, it means completely in every place. So when we think of God being in every place, we don't think of one side of him being on this side of the universe and the other side of him being on that, like he's stretched out over the whole universe. No, that he's completely contained in every place. So that there's no place in which God, there's no thing too small in which God is not completely contained, and there is nothing so big that God does not completely contain it. That's this mystery of eminence. So that's a good one to think about. Eminence. Okay. Um, my theological buzzword for you is Latin, but you'll get half credit if you use the English. Um, Latin. Now we have I'm to be gonna use that. I'll just say something. Uh, that is, uh, I don't know how to speak Latin like that, and then I get points for it. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, writing we, it down here, Latin. We, we have to be careful uh, when we use Latin because if we mispronounce the Latin, we get uh, rebuked um, uh, through emails, right? Remember this when, when you uh, when you got that email from from someone saying that you're completely destroying the the Latin declensions? Yes. Okay, so uh, speak your Latin wisely. Your Latin theological buzzword is imago dei. Uh, this means uh, the image of God, and it comes from uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. This is where uh, then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the, the sea, of uh, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, etc., etc. Uh, and so uh, this is that, that, that man was created in the very image of God. Now... Um, this is kind of a this is kind of a, uh, a a tough thing because we lost the image of God uh, at the fall. You know when 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 man sinned against God, uh, taking from the from the tree which we were commanded not to eat, uh, we lost the image of God. But uh, what does what does Colossians say? Uh, that Jesus is the very image of God, so that that the image of God is being restored in us um, uh, through through uh, through Christ. So image of God or imago dei is your theological buzzword. All right, got it. Okay. Now, uh, let's get to this voicemail. Uh, if you want to give us a call, uh, it's 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. And let's hear what our voicemail has to say. Hey, Brian and Evan. It's uh, hey, Sir hey. at least your non-Calvinist hey. listener, listener here over in PA. Uh, I just wanted to call in in, in regard to your, your last show about uh, Ruben's comment about the garlic juice. I, I was surprised you guys missed the opportunity uh, to speak about that. Uh, you remember in the Formula of Concord, the, uh, the arch enemy that they were dealing with there was this guy by the name of Victorine Striegel. I know you guys memorized that a long time ago, right? <laughs> who, who, who has? Anyway, um, so you got the, 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 the um, heretic Victorine Striegel, uh, and he believed... Uh, that that um that you had this free will that was impeded by original sin, but when you when Jesus came along, then he gives you the ability to apply your free will, and that's where the garlic juice comes along. Uh, Striegel uh, said that you take a magnet and you put garlic juice on it, and that gets rid of the magnetism. But then if you come along and, and you smear some goat's blood on the magnet then that um, uh, brings back the magnetic properties. It, it, it almost sounds like a, a skit from Monty Python or something. Uh, but anyway, that's what Striegel believed. 
And, uh, you, you know, he finds his, his modern-day cousins uh, today with the Armenians and such. Um, so the, the, the main reason I say that is that is in the antithesis section of the formula of Concord. In other words, uh, um, the, you know, the writers of, of the formula of Concord there, they reject the garlic juice. Um, they reject Striegel along with his weird and wacky garlic juice uh, statements. Uh, for example, um, uh, Brian, yeah, yeah, you... Uh, um, comment on Joel Osteen, and you even impersonate Joel Osteen, Pretty albeit poorly. rather poorly. Um, you you hey, comment hey, on you him and you impersonate him, me, eh? but that doesn't then necessarily mean that you agree with him. Uh, so also we'd say the same for the formula Not of necessarily. They're uh, um, commenting on, even quoting partially, Striegel in the antithesis, you know, the uh, we reject us uh, section. Um, so there it is. Just want to comment on that. Uh, I was also surprised that you missed the uh, the, the, um, the chance to, to the opportunity to speak about the uh, the adjectives and abstractions. I know Brian that you're against adjectives and uh, both against that and also abstractions uh, in the second praise song in the second praise strong song. So uh, I, I, I realized that and uh, I was surprised. But then you were running out of time anyway. So anyway, um, uh, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, uh, keep up, you know what you're doing. And uh, I'll continue to, to listen when I have these long drives in the middle of nowhere. All right, bye. You know, uh, first of that all, that guy is awesome. Our listener, whoever, did you get the name? That uh, listener, dear listener? No. Oh, he didn't leave his name. Hey, I would Brian and Evan, it's uh, your listener, your at least your non-Calvinist listener. Right, we'll just refer to him as our non-Calvinist listener. NCO. <laughs> now, first of all, our listeners have to stop being surprised when we miss opportunities to do anything. <laughs> this just has this cannot go on. The um, lower the le- expectations, the less you're disappointed. <laughs> right. Remember that. So, do you want to respond? No to brains, any- no headaches. <laughs> do you want to respond to anything he said? Uh, thank you for that. That's uh, totally awesome. Uh, also, I well, I'm going to start calling it instead of the formula of Concord. The formula of Concord. How did he say that? That was awesome. <laughs> that accent is the coolest. What I'm worried you know, about mostly really from this call. You're not really one to make fun of how people talk. No, uh, yeah, but you know, I tell you what I'm worried about here with this is that you're going to try to recruit this uh, NCL f- as your co-host <laughs> because he's awesome. I already have. <laughs> You know, did you notice that the contract is written up? Yeah. Did, did you notice that uh, that uh, uh, that debit on the Table Talk Radio credit card that went out um, at, at airfare out to Pennsylvania? Yeah, that that's <laughs> that's what that was for, by the way. You know, a constant recruiting trip. If you would, if you would, could turn yourselves, uh, your your attention a little more towards another co-host and a little bit more towards the next Mrs. Gagline. Uh, we all would be better off. You, you know, just focus your hunting, uh, you, you know, attention. Mrs. Gigline is my mother. Just saying. I know we need another Mrs. Gigline. That's what I'm saying. No, we need another listener. Come on, this. I, I think I have my attention uh, directed in the, the proper place. I would, you know, just to have another listener would be would be great. <laughs> I'll, I'll set, I'll set, you know, you don't, you, you, okay, shoot for the stars and land on the moon. I'll go for a wife and we'll make, get, maybe get a listener from it. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, good. <laughs> Doubtful. Ask Carrie Hall if she listens. We're going to listen to you enough, she says. <laughs> okay, well, after this commercial break, bumper sticker theology and church sign theology. Uh, so yeah. that's right after this commercial break. 
Uh, if you want to give us a call, you can do so by calling us at 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652, or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org is the email address. Uh, we'll be right back for this commercial break. Don't go away. Is that phone number right with the call? Two theologians for the price of none. Table Talk Radio will be right back. At your work site, yes, you always find you think I'm right and they're wrong. They need to be like me, sing the songs that I sing, but will always be. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. It is time for everyone's favorite game that analyzes. Bumper stickers, church signs, Facebook status. Hey, wait a minute. Lumpy's sitting over here. Lumpy wanted to talk. Oh, oh yeah. Hey, Lumpy, how's it going? Hey. Hey, good. Good hey. to see you, Evan. All right, so a f- few weeks ago, we had our <laughs> uh, our OCB email us in. That is our, uh, uh, what is that again? Oh, Official Calvinist official. blogger. Official Calvinist blogger. Reuben. Yeah. And and he asserted that Calvinists Ruben, have it sounds like six. Ruben just got it handed to him in that first segment. <laughs> He's not listening anymore, in fact. Uh, but, because uh, he has that luxury of tuning out whenever he wants. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so he made the assertion that Calvinists have six six confessions. In two Tuning groups, out is like pouring a three. garlic juice over your iPad. iPod <laughs> and it right. stops playing table talk radio. <laughs> so, Lumpy, we want you to ask the question. Uh, How many did he say he had? Uh, six. Two groups of three, remember? Yeah, I think that. These are the continental forms, uh, the continental confessions. Uh, so you have the so-called three forms of unity, Heidelberg Catechism, 1563, Belgic Confession, 1566, Canons of Dort. 1619, D-O-R-D-T, Dordt. And then you have the Gallic Confession, 1559, Second Helvetic Confession, the 1566, Theological Declaration of Barman. That is the, uh, that's continent. Also on the continent, they also released their own Harmonia Confessionum Fide. I know all this, by the way, because I know how to look up Wikipedia. That's the Harmony of the Confessions of the Faith in 1581. Now, you do have some more for the Presbyterians. So you have the Scots Confession, 1560. The Westminster Standards, that's the Westminster Confession of Faith, 1646. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, 1649. The Westminster Larger Catechism, 1649. And then the Presbyterians wrote a brief statement of faith, 1991. The Congregationalists have the Savoy Declaration, 1658. The Baptists have the hmm. London Baptist Confession of Faith, 1689. The Africans have the Belhar Confession, 1886, I guess. Uh, so there you go. Now, I'm also looking in my uh, Creeds of the Christendom. Uh, this is uh, the second part of the, of, the, uh, of the evangelical and Protestant creeds. Creeds of evangelical reformed churches. So you have a couple that I don't know how uh, much authority they hold, but you also have the 67 Articles of Uruk Zwingli, the 10 Theses of Bern, the first Helvetic Confession, 1636. Second Helvetic mentioned Heidelberg or Platinate Catechism mentioned Gaelic Confession. Uh, no, sorry, Gallican Confession, 1559. Belgic Confession, 1561. 
the First and Second Scottish Confessions, the Thirty-Nine Articles, the Anglican Catechism, the Lamberth Articles, the Irish Articles, the Arminian Articles, the Canons of Dort, I, mean, I think we mentioned, and then some Westminster more stuff. This is invigorating so, radio. Were you counting those up? No, I was sleeping. The point is, there's a lot of these things, so I'm working on it. Just wanted to check in, let you know how I'm doing. Thanks, Lumpy. You got it. All right, let's get into some church signs and bumper stickers. Here's here's one right away. Bumper sticker! All right, this bumper sticker says <laughs> mission, and then it has the Cairo symbol. Bumper sticker! <laughs> All right. Can we make that a little sound bite? Yeah, yeah. Just pull that out. Bumper sticker! <laughs> All right. So uh, I said mission. Was that a man or a woman saying that? <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was a man, but I won't. Uh... That's very mean. That's a question. <laughs> you don't want to be judgmental. <laughs> okay, so oh, uh, okay. The, the the bumper sticker said mission, and then it had the the Cairo. What do you think of that? <laughs> Cairo, by the way, is the X and the P. You know the X and P? I know X and That's P. It's Cairo, yeah. so it's two Greek letters. I don't know if you ever learned Greek, but uh, brought to you the by Chi the letters is the, is the and C H, and the and the P is the letter Rho, which is R. So if you are spelling Christ Christos in Greek, you have the first two letters of the Cairo and some early manuscript. I know this from looking at the uh, Beck Bible. <laughs> some er, super early, man, you know what I'm talking again. about? <laughs> the early Beck Bible uh, or the early Greek manuscripts. When they were spelling out Christ, they would put the the row in the in the in the in the chi, and so it looks like a, it kind of has the uh, it gives you the idea of a man on the cross. So it's become a symbol for for Christ. Now. Um, I don't know what it means when you have mission and a Cairo. I don't have any idea what that means. I mean, you know, the word mission, by the way, is a super word. It It is every part of speech. Have you noticed this? I mean, it probably used to be a noun. But now we're going to do some missioning. We're going to be missional. We're going to go on a mission to mission the mission, missional, mission-minded missionness. So you could probably you could probably have a sentence with just the word mission. Uh, mission missions the missional. <laughs> I bet you that's a sentence. So it, it, the problem is, <laughs> I don't know. Who knows what it means? Do you know what it means? Uh, I mean, it used to mean you want to go do something, like I'm on a mission. But anyway, now it means. I'm going to go on a vacation and meet a local person from the foreign country where I am and get other people to pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what mission means now. Uh, And it's not really a a word that is used in Holy Scripture. Um, Is it? I don't think so. Uh, Scripture. We used to talk about the the missio dei, as you like to say it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that properly the mission of God? I don't know. But uh, uh, which means God is he's on a mission to save us, which is nice. But now, anytime you hear mission, it's all about, you know, what we're doing. Save the world, etc. All right. I got another one, unless you have one. I got one here. This is on Facebook, on our Facebook page, which I'm against now, apparently. I have to be since uh, John Bombaro told me I should be against 
Facebook. His name is just a little bit too close to Bombadil, though. You know, from the Lord of the Rings. No, I don't, don't know, actually. Anyway, here's a cartoon. It has God checking his, uh, he's checking his uh, laptop here at the gates to heaven, and, he's, and he says to this poor schlub there, uh, I was about to let you in. Then I realized you didn't post, repost that manipulative Facebook status about loving me. <laughs> uh, I hate those emails. I don't know anything about Facebook, but I hate those emails. Cindy's yeah. on to 15 people, if you love God. It's a kind of a it's it's like the new electronic mysticism. It's like how you you would think that you would think that we would move beyond kind of amulets and good luck charms. I think it's witchcraft, by the way, to say someone if you don't repost this, you're going to be visited, you know, by the dark angel. Someone's yeah. going to you're going to it's like a it's like the it's like the bad side of fortune cookies. If you don't do this thing that I want you to do, which is a total waste of time. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you saying Facebook is a waste of time? <gasps> oh, wait a Someone minute. Someone was pointing out to me they, there's wait a picture a of Jesus on Facebook and it says like if he died for you and someone said, "Boy, is that Calvinist." <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Calvin is right because not everybody likes this. <laughs> oh, poor Calvinists! Were we going to be mean to other people like the Roman Catholics and um and uh, someone else? Weren't we, didn't we have our eyes set? The, the our missional evangelical... people. Yeah, you you, mm. <laughs> you we we were gonna going to be missional by being mean to the missional people. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're trying to mission the missionalists by missioning the mission-minded missionists. Right. All right, here's another one. Missionally. That's a uh, missional Church sign from First Free Methodist Church here in Moose Jaw says, I came so you can have life, real and eternal life, more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. And then it's attributing that quote to Jesus. Um, oh, wow. Not really sure he had said that, but I guess you could. Uh, thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> I remember talking to someone, and they were telling me something Jesus said, and I said, that's not in the Bible. And they said, well, Jesus says a lot of things that weren't in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you know? <laughs> I'm sure he could have said that. <laughs> <laughs> what we should start doing is building our theology on all the things that Jesus could have said. Oh, man. Yeah, it is really something. What this probably is is a uh, amplified version of um, "I came that you might have life and life to the fullest." I suspect that's what that is. So, uh, so anyway, and uh, so, but now, what is the fullness of life? It, th this is a very good question. I, I came that you might uh, have life and have it abundantly. That's John ten, right? Yeah, the thief comes to kill, teal, steal, and destroy. Well, Jesus, the whole Good Shepherd passage, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Um, but this abundant life is not a life that's really awesome. I mean, it depends on what you, how you're using awesome there. Now, an abundant life is a life that's full of, of, of God's forgiveness, full of his mercy and kindness and love. That's what it is. Uh, but there's so much, so much of Christianity is, that, uh, hey, I'm going to improve your life. Uh, by uh, by believing in Jesus, now you'll be better, and you'll have more friends on Facebook, and you know, and you won't itch as much or whatever. That's not what Jesus came <laughs> to bring. All right, we'll let you uh, scratch that itch during this commercial break, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back to play name that theologian. Don't go away. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> it's 
Table Talk Radio. The disaster continues. Martin Luther says that the most common idol in all of the world is the idol of money. That we trust in it. That we fear losing it. That we think that because we have it, we're secure. Here at Table Talk Radio, we have the solution for this idolatry. Click the Donate Now button on our website, and you will support the ongoing efforts of Table Talk Radio to spread this word of God uh, throughout the world. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. Welcome like back to, to Table Talk Radio. Pastor uh, Wolfman, you're bumping us in uh, for this segment of the show. Thank you for tuning out. Uh, all right, it's time for Name That Theologian. And that's a nice fade up, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I just started singing softer. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> All right. Uh, I so do that when I preach, too. You know, when I get to the time of decision. Now, do, now they, Jesus is, do they still play I Jesus the Tiger? Jesus is tugging on your heart, bit? mystically. <laughs> no, no, they use the uh, back-in-black uh, Iron Preacher bump. <laughs> Straight from the pulpit. <laughs> Off uh, Back-to-back victories, by the way, Iron Preacher. I don't oh, know if you yeah, remember Yeah, but one that. of them was against a me. It's not like that counts. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, back-to-back victory. Even that's you like, realize that's not uh That's like Michael Jordan saying, hey, I won two games in a row. One was the preschooler in the in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, no, no. Don't don't give yourself that much credit because it takes away credit from me. I want you to talk, I want you to know how what a brilliant preacher you are and how you're so stunned that I <laughs> I know. I thought it was gonna go my way, but Right. Well, we'll have to do it again. I, I I challenge you to a rematch. I think. Okay. All right. Let's go right now. <laughs> call up Doctor Fakenter. Maybe he'll call your phone here pretty soon. <laughs> so, so, whoever calls next, we'll have him be the judge for Iron Preacher. All right. All right. Now, what are we doing? The, this is uh, name that theologian. So uh, mm. this is mm-hmm, where we give three mm-hmm, quotes, mm-hmm. and then the other person has to identify which theologian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you ready? I remember that game. Oh yeah. Now Hold this, on, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to gotta focus here. This game requires focus. Yeah. Focus and attention. You can't, so, you can't write your Facebook sermon here. for this morning's service uh, while, you, while, while we right. play this. Okay. Right, unless the quotation is pretty good. Now, listener, you're playing along. It is re- focus, focus, focus. All right, they're ready now. Okay, now th- this, <laughs> this first quote kind of goes on and on, so you can just stop me when you get the gist of it, okay? <clears throat> okay. Another major tenet of postmodernism is is cultural and epistemological relativism. Because meaning is constructed, it varies from person to person. Since meaning is a social construction, different cultures will create different structures of reality. Postmodernists see rationalism and scientific objectivity as themselves manifestations of the Western technological mind, itself historically and culturally conditioned. They reject the privileging of these and other distinctly Western modes of knowledge. Post. Uh-huh. Oh, you done? Go, okay. Yeah, I think that's good. All right. So this, uh, so this person is apparently modern or even postmodern. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be a recent theologian, and they're um, and they're explaining in this they're explaining in this quotation that you had the kind of um, uh, philosophical underpinnings of postmodernity. 
that is, and, and that's a, it's a nice way of saying it, that you, you give non-privileged status to Western ideas. So that knowledge is, um, with postmodernity, you, you know, the Christians will normally point out that postmodernity is a rejection of absolute truth. Uh, and I think that's true, but it, it, there's a truth there, but the truth is understood um, tribally or communally. You have this kind of uh, coherent knowledge of truth, so that you, if you can piece the, if you can piece the different questions in your life together, then that's just enough truth for you. And that, and that this, these sort of truth structures or worldviews develop tribally or in different ways in different places, and they all need to be considered valid. So, um, so whoever this is is talking about that kind of thing. Okay. I've got, I mean, I've got no idea. I have no, absolutely no idea who this is. It sounds like the person, whoever's reading it, is a native English speaker, so that they, uh, so that they, um, talking in English, uh, so that that's, uh, so that's one clue there. Uh, but I can't get much beyond that. So you have another quote? You betcha. The concept of deconstruction has its philosophical roots in Heidegger, who first used the term, although the contemporary theory goes far beyond Heidegger in its dissolution of language and transcendence. Put simply, deconstruction begins with the existential dictum that there is no transcendent meaning, that meaning is a human construction. Deconstructionists go on to show that the way meaning is constructed is through language, Drawing on the work of structural linguists, deconstructionists then argue that language, which is based on arbitrary symbolism and exclusions, is itself problematic. A language construction is unstable, even contradictory. According to this view, as one critic of the movement explains it, language is meaningless in, in the sense that it subverts its own movement, can never reach beyond itself. Ooh, man. Okay, so this uh, this same person now is reaching back to the origins of postmodernity uh, and goes back to Heidegger, uh, which is where, you know, I, I suspect most students of postmodernity go back that far. I, I think if we now, I would not go back that far because I just don't know anything about Heidegger, but I think you could trace it back even further, which maybe this person does, uh, to, to bail. Um, but anyhow, uh, uh, Heidegger becomes the source of this uh, kind of uh, this understanding of linguistic structure. Uh, so, so you kind of, and, and I don't know if I understand this well enough, but you know, in the Middle Ages, you had the 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 the, the, the fight between nominalism and realism, this kind of language, the structure of language, and it, but it takes on a third element with Heidegger, and now language becomes um, it becomes a tool for deconstruction. But as this person points out, you, at some point, it all begins to unravel. I mean, at some point, the, the statement, there is no absolute truth, has to be understood as either an absolute truth uh, or, or not. And then either way, it doesn't mean anything, you know. Uh, so you have this kind of self-contradicting uh, nature to postmodernity. Uh, you can't use language to deconstruct language because, I mean, it's like trying to your, it's like trying to I used to think as a kid that I could um, if I got strong enough I could hold myself up <laughs> did, really? did you ever think that I could, uh, no. that I could I could I could wrap my <laughs> hands together I could put my hands together and uh, and put it and put it under my legs and lift myself off the ground See, now was this, I mean why not was this before or after you jumped in the air to get a head start on the rapture this was before this was before. <laughs> 
so that this is so that what I mean when you when you're trying to lift yourself up because your with your own have any strength, video you of you as a kid. Falls, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask your parents if you have if they have any video of you as a kid. I just think that'd be yeah, that'd that make for a hilarious sitcom, wouldn't it? Hey, let's go watch mm-hmm. Brian do stuff. <laughs> Today he's gonna jump in the air, try to get a head start in the rapture. Tomorrow hilarious. he's gonna try and lift himself. <laughs> Those are you know two highlights. <laughs> All right, one more quote. The rest of the time, I was either, you know, the rest of my life, I was either working out or reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah, right. That was my childhood, you know. <laughs> okay, one more quote for you. All right, I'm ready. Well, the deconstructionist <laughs> analysis is indeed subversive of the status quo. A political program based on its assumptions could only be anti-progressive and authoritarian. Oh, this is great. In the Judeo-Christian worldview, progress is possible because there are moral absolutes according to which the world should be reformed. Without a transcendent reference point, there are no criteria for progress. All that is left is the exercise of power. If language is arbitrary, with only a veneer of associations that connect the signifier to the signified, then the exercise of power, whether exercised by democracies, Marxists, feminists, or fascists, must likewise be arbitrary, despite all the rhetoric that which it justifies itself. While a deconstructionist methodology can subvert established (laughs) meanings, there is another corollary. It is impossible to break out of language for all its limitations. For deconstructionists, the concept of transcendence, that words point to realities beyond themselves, is the ultimate illusion. Words point only to other words. Language is a prison house. Words are inadequate, yet they are all we have. To believe in a transcendent signified, that words point to ideas that themselves have an objective, ontological status, is to be uh, logocentric. Logocentrism identifies language with voice, presence, Western metaphysics, and ultimately derivation from the word of God. The, decon- the deconstructionist tries to topple this hierarchy. This is really quite stunning. <clears throat> so that the critique, I mean, the, this, uh, this writer, the theologian, is pointing out that, that while postmodernity it wants to kind of be a subversive political movement, and so it kind of has a hippie sense to it, it doesn't. It ends up being authoritarian because it's it's ideology. That's the way it goes. That's that's where it has to end. Um, uh, and and it under it undermines the any sort of sense of freedom and and the individual, which is bad. Uh, I think um, you know I I can this is an amazing book or article or whatever that you picked up. Um, the the one person that this I think could be is uh, that I know of. I know Roseburg is working on it, but I'm going to guess Gene Edward Veith in his book Postmodernity. All right, is he correct? We will find out after this commercial break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Uh, we are playing Name That Theologian, and Pastor Wolfmiller has guessed uh, Gene Edward Veith. Is that who it was? Yeah. All right, yeah. we'll find out if it's Gene Edward Veith or after this commercial break. Don't go away. More than Table Talk Radio, answering the age-old question. If a radio show is broadcasting and no one listens, does it still make a sound? 
Remember those baptismal certificates that hung on your grandparents' wall? Beautiful. They had the baptism of Jesus and, and other images and their name. It, it was always a constant reminder of the gift that the Lord Jesus gave them in their baptism. Well, we have a new version of that. If you visit WolfsonCreative.com, you can see the baptismal certificates there. They're available electronically for congregations to print as many as you want, or individually, paper copies for families to hang on the wall and treasure the Lord's gift of baptism. The website is W-O-L-F-S-O-N-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for visiting WolfsonCreative.com. We're back on Table Talk Radio. Before the break, Pastor Wolfman is trying to find out who his theologian is. And his guess was uh, who again? Gene Edward V. Who wrote the book Postmodernism? Postmodern. I think it's the, that's the name of the book. Uh, or uh, Modern Fascism. He wrote the book Modern Fascism. Uh, maybe, you got to be kidding maybe, me. Maybe he wrote the book Postmodernism and Modern Fascism. <laughs> that's who I'm guessing. <laughs> All right. You're right. It is Gene Edward V. I was going to strike you down for uh, for saying it was from postmodernism. It is actually from modern fascism. Modern fascism. Yes. Yeah, Chris Roseborough is tracking this stuff down even more. We should all probably take a little time out of our day and read that book. Published by CPH, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. I love CPH. <laughs> all right, we have nine minutes for you to give me a theologian's quotes. What happened to... Okay, here we go. Ready? Ready. Everyone who says that the gospel is nothing without the sanction of the church errs and blasphemes God. Is that it? That's the first one. Yeah, that's the first one. I got a list of 67 things okay. here. Okay. I'm not going to read all 67 of them. Read that one again. I was trying to find one. I was trying to find one which um, which would kind of give tip the hat, but I can't really I can't really find it. Everyone who says the gospel is nothing without the sanction of the church errs and blasphemes God. Okay. So you have to have the church in order to understand the gospel. No, that's it's saying that anyone who says that is wrong. Oh, right. Okay. See, so anyone who says that the gospel is nothing without the sanction of the church errs in blasphemy. Gotcha. Okay. Continue. No. Okay. The summary of the gospel is that our Lord Christ, true Son of God, has made known to us the will of his heavenly Father and has redeemed us from death and reconciled us with God by his guiltlessness. Hmm. That's nice. I especially like in there um, that the uh, summary of the gospel is that now that we know the the will of God, <laughs> so that uh, you know this is this is an interesting thing. People are always trying to uh, to to uh, consult God in his in his um, hiddenness to try and find out the will of God. You know, um, but where do we have mm-hmm. the where do we truly have the will of God? It's in His gospel. It's on His Son dead on a cross. That's where we know the will of God. Uh, that His will is to uh, uh, that he loves us, and his will is that uh, we would be saved and, and believe in the in, in the truth, um, be declared righteous for the sake of for his son's death. Um, so that's really nice. Yep. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, number three. Uh, Therefore, Christ is the only way to salvation of all who were, are now, or shall be. Okay, I, I'm having a hard time getting a beat on this guy because, okay, so the first one, um, he's working against the Roman Catholic theology, so that's good. That would make me think that he's perhaps a uh, a uh, Re- Reformation theologian, maybe. Um, that would be consistent with uh, the second and third quotes. Um, but it doesn't quite have that, uh, I don't know, 
Re- read another one. Okay, I'm going to skip down a few. Um, let's see here. Uh, belief in the gospel constitutes our salvation, and unbelief our, dam- our damnation. For all truth is clear in it. Okay, read another one. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is more displeasing to God than hypocrisy. From this we learn that everything that stimulates goodness to human eyes is utter hypocrisy and infamy. This applies to vestments, insignia, tonsures, etc. Okay, so I I think I am going to lean towards the Reformation theologians. Now, um, so who could this be? Um, how many did you say? You, I got more. How many did you more. say you had? Sixty something. Uh, sixty-seven of them. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And and initially you said it was in Latin, so that gives me a hint too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did I say that? I said that off air. Oh yeah, because I was looking for the English translation. <laughs> okay, go on. Um. <laughs> It follows that, oh yeah, sorry, hypocrites do their work to be seen by people. They receive their reward in this world. It follows that chanting and loud clamor without true devotion and done for money alone either seek human praise or else material gain. Hmm. So someone who's against uh, uh, the uh, ceremonies in church that would work against the preaching of the gospel. So um, any of these uh, ceremonies where they're, um, well, I mean, this is Jesus, right? Jesus in Matthew 6, uh, talking about those who uh, uh, pray in the street corners, receive their reward, that just the the uh, attention of men, that's all they get. Um, yep. I, okay. I, I mean, if you want to keep going, you can. I, I, I'm not sure who to, to peg this down as. So. Sure. Here, here's a few more. This is as close, I think, in this set as I can get to the True, the true holy scriptures know nothing of purgatory after this life. The sentence of those who have died is known only to God. Okay, so this gentleman is also against the teaching of purgatory. Um, I'm not sure how that was supposed to help me anymore. But this one, the sentence of those who have died is known only to God. <clears throat> so, in other words, if you go to heaven or hell... That is God's knowledge alone. Okay. Um, So now, okay. (laughs) But see, that's interesting because that would seem, because, okay, so that that would give us an idea that maybe this is a a Calvinist um, theologian. But I. And yet, so you have a Calvinist theologian, but you also had, uh, oh, did I read this for you? The second one. Uh, That Christ died for all. Hmm. Hmm. Well, because uh, that second quote you, you read about the, the where we know God's will, um, you want to read that one again? Because I kind of crossed Calvinism off the list after that one. The summary of the gospel is that our Lord Christ, true Son of God, has made known to us the will of his heavenly Father and has redeemed us from death and reconciled us to God by his guiltlessness. I think you're right to cross off Calvinism. But... I, see, now on the, on the last quote where you, where you say that uh, where he goes is known only to God... Um, I wouldn't have picked up on that as being uh, Calvinistic had you not highlighted it, because um, 
oftentimes we, we, we use that language just saying that, you know, we shouldn't, uh, we, we don't know the person's heart. But um, we do, I mean, we can have certainty in this life of where a person goes um, when uh, when they're baptized and they, they have faith. I mean, they, they, Mark, this is Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And so so that's that's a promise of God. So there's not always this huge question mark thereafter uh, the, whether this person's in heaven or hell. Whew. Um, okay. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with the guess. And uh, my guess, because you highlighted that last one, um, and we also had Lumpy on the scene uh, a few months ago to to talk about this very thing, uh, the question whether or not uh, John Calvin actually believed. Uh, that Christ died for all or not, and there was mixed reviews. There were there were uh, uh, reformed uh, theologians uh, and historians who were were divided on this. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say, this is John Calvin himself. Ooh, nope, sorry. This was I was reading from the 67 Articles of Zwingli. Uh. Mm-hmm. Very good. Zwingli, yeah, this is uh, 1523, July 14th, he published these 67 articles um, in Zurich. Uh, now, the interesting thing, and what I couldn't get to, is he doesn't say anything about the Lord's Supper. So you remember that the, whenever uh, Luther and Zwingli got together, they agreed with just about everything with each other, except for the Lord's Supper. So, right. I mean, you just have very little hints, for example, you don't know if you're heaven or hell, that you should, there's a tiny little hint of the rejection of the sacraments there. Uh, bringing in the uncertainty because the sacraments give that certainty, but because that's missing, then that's that was really the only hint I could find in these 67 articles. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that I never read this by the way before. It's really interesting. It is very interesting. So, uh, do I get any points? I got here. I got one more for you. <laughs> All clerical superiors are to humble themselves instantly, and uh, erect the cross of Christ only. And not the money box. Hmm. Otherwise, they will perish. The axe is laid at the root of the tree. Nice. So that's how he finishes. That's good. And that's how we will finish as well. So that is cool. it for uh, this edition of Table Talk Radio. If you have any comments or questions, get send us an uh, email at questions at tabletalkradio.org. Sorry, Calvinists, we don't have the answers at Table Talk Radio yet. That, that's forthcoming, though. That's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're peering into the, the foreknowledge, and, and that'll be coming uh, sometime. Uh, but or you can give us a call one eight hundred three eight five SOLA. One eight hundred three eight five seven six five two is a number. Uh, what are we doing next week on Table Talk Radio? Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> we won't know that till five minutes before we record next week's show. Isn't that funny how some radio shows will tell you tune in next week and you'll hear? And we were like, I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. We don't even know if there'll be a next week. <laughs> we'll find that out. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the image of God that you have. You don't have it. It's lost. See? Oh, that's bad. Points? You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.